Freedom, like you said, and maybe maybe they can kind of relax now that they're facing a ranked opponent and a team that they have not had that much success against and, you know, kind of tore their heart out of their chest last week or last year, not mm-hmm. last week. That's a good um, You know, so I don't know. And yeah, like, you know, maybe now at this point, too, with Sam, I mean, you know, not that he was ever going to win the Heisman anyway. Like, let's be real. I mean, it would have taken a lot. <laughs> and now that that's basically over, like maybe he'll right. pl- play a bit freer and, and, and relax. And Trevor yeah. thought last year, once he threw those eight picks or whatever it was in the first six games, he was pretty much out. So in the second half of the season, Trevor still hasn't thrown an interception since. Welcome to an ACC podcast. I'm Lauren Brownlow, and we have so many ranked games, more than one of them, that and one that doesn't involve Clemson. It's a Christmas miracle. It's not Christmas yet. Um, but <laughs> I'm jo- I'm joined today uh, by an old friend we haven't had on in a while. I didn't mean to call you old. I just, <laughs> oh my God, you're not at all old. Lauren, I am um, now leaving this podcast. <laughs> I was going to say, you're probably one of the younger you skew younger of the guests we've had on this podcast. Uh, Kelly Gramlich, who is an ACC Network personality, um, covers all kinds of stuff, women's basketball primarily, I guess, but also she pays attention to everything. She knows her stuff really, really well. And she just started an ACC podcast of her own with Eric McLean, also of the ACC Network, right? Yes, we did. And yeah, we're just trying to be like you, Lauren, you know, just trying oh to my gosh, make it please big. Don't. Just trying to make it big. Yes, we did. Uh, it's called Gramlick and MacLean, and you can find it on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, whatever. We're actually going to record our next episode today. So it's a double podcast dip day, but I'm really excited to be on with you and to break down some of these games. To your point, two separate what? individual ranked versus ranked matchups. It is like Christmas. And that's something I've really enjoyed with our six months of no sports, right? To come back to ACC football and to not just have Clemson, if you will, but to have some other teams that are looking really good, that has elevated the profile of this league so far this year. Some good quarterback play. It's been really fun to watch. Yeah, it's been a really interesting year so far, actually, because I don't know... I mean, there are a few teams that you would say have been some of the worst, but even some of the worst teams in the league have definitely shown some, you know, friskiness. Um, <laughs> That's a good way I, to put it. <laughs> I don't even, I, by the way, I don't know. I don't think I mentioned it because uh, it hadn't happened yet. So I have not mentioned it. But Eric McLean absolutely uh, made my weekend last weekend when on the, AC, on, on the huddle before the ACC games began. Uh-huh. He picked Jacksonville State <laughs> to beat Florida State. I nearly fell out of my chair. And the face EJ Manuel made was just priceless. And then, like, I'm sitting there like, wow, what a troll. Like, <laughs> come on, Eric. And then as the – I'm, like, checking the score because I, I snuck out for a bit to have some socially distanced birthday uh, drinks with a friend. Very nice. I'm checking the score, and I'm like, oh, my God. <laughs> Is this going to happen? We actually, we talked about this on one of our podcasts this week and, you know, he looked really smart for a while. He did. And I think if, if Jordan Travis doesn't exist, right, if they just stick with Rotomaker or James Blackman, it could have very well happened. He didn't even play, of course. So yeah, Jacksonville State led by Zarek Cooper, an old Clemson quarterback, 
you might remember him from coming in against Syracuse in 2017 and not doing much. Yeah. So he's at Jacksonville state now, but it was quite the troll. I I do find it funny. EJ Manuel, who is truly one of the nicest people I've ever met. He happens to join ACC network right when Florida state is, I don't know the worst they've been in the history of time. Like he can't even, (laughs) he can't really talk about Florida state that much. He can't pick them all the time. It's gotta be tough for him. And then of course, Max over there, watching Clemson win national titles. So, and they have a really good relationship. So I'm sure it's fun for them to go back and forth. Probably more fun for Mac right now than EJ. Oh yeah. And then you got Mark Richt there, like trolling from the Miami perspective. Right, right. Like, oh, poor guy. He's just, <laughs> just getting ganged up on. Yep. And Cornette with Notre Dame. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Although Cornette tries to keep the peace, I think. He does his as, best. As, as, as the best. moderator. Yeah, yeah. Oh, it just it's a fun I I really enjoy watching that. Um and EJ and I also have the uh misfortune apparently as I learned yesterday of both being on double secret uh probation from Packer and Durham appearances. <laughs> because yes, I saw that. Yeah, and EJ has a better reason than I do. Um, I wore a Dodgers hat in a recent ACC panic room. I That is the only piece of sporting equipment that I own or apparel that I own just because I like the way it looks. I just the think Dodgers like, have a great look. But yeah. I'll, I'll tell you this, Lauren. You know, I've got some beef with you on that too. And you might, this is a very random fact. My cousin pitches for the San Francisco Giants. Oh my gosh. So I, and he's, he's been good against the Dodgers. Some may call him the Dodger killer. It might just be in my family, but he's, he had a great year this year. He was in the minors for like eight years. He pitched at Vanderbilt in the early uh, 2010s. And yeah, so he had a really good year this year. So I have come to be, I root against the Dodgers all the time now. So just saying, just saying. That's, that's fair. I really, and as I told Mark, who is the Giants fan in question that is upset yes. at, at me. And EJ has a good, EJ has reasons. He's, I, I think, spent some time in LA. Yeah. He's, and, and you know, that's his reason for allegiance. But for me, it was just, I was in LA. It's my only souvenir from my trip to Los <laughs> Angeles last summer. Not this summer, but the one before when we could do things like that. And it was a super fun trip. And it's like, I always think about that trip when I wear the hat. But it's a yeah. great, the Dodgers have an excellent looking brand the colors are great i totally understand from a purely aesthetic point of view yeah i am with you it goes with so many things it goes with like everything. the blue it goes with almost everything i own and yeah it just it's a good looking hat that's all <laughs> i really don't care if they win or lose it's, personal. <laughs> it's not um but yeah um I never really got into Major League Baseball as a kid mostly because my dad was a Braves fan and I saw what pain it caused him <laughs> And uh, oh yeah, I was, I oh was yeah. Like, no, thank you. I don't want to sign up for this. And also, I would get annoyed because like baseball was on all the time, and I'd want to watch something else. Yeah, you want to watch basketball? <laughs> yeah, I uh, yes, usually or yeah, it, literally anything else. I'd be like dad, and he'd like fall asleep in front of the Braves game. Classic, you know, just unbelievable. I'd be like, how many of these are there again? Can we? <laughs> no, way too many. It has helped yeah. me. I didn't really have a team either. I'm from Austin, Texas, so we don't have any pro teams. So you just kind of have to pick Dallas or Houston or whatever, or the Spurs. So it's been good with baseball because I am all in on the Giants now. I have a hat. I have a shirt. And then if Sam ever gets traded, I will will pick that team and I will be that team's fan. And that's just my plan. Oh, well, that's awesome. It works out well. It's a full bandwagon situation and I'm, I'm very happy about it. Yeah, no. I mean, might as well. You just got to pick somebody. I don't have an NBA allegiance either. I can't really pretend I root for the Hornets. You're not a Hornets I did. Fan? 
I did back in the day. Um, but what now is I just really to be a fan about, you know, right. It just, I have not been sucked back in at the moment to Hornets mania or anything like that. There's no Larry Johnson around to, uh, to pique my interest or a Muggsy Bogues who I loved so much growing up. Um, but yeah, there's no, there's not no, nothing like that. So I just am like a LeBron fan. Um, <laughs> are you a LeBron fan? I do like LeBron a lot. I like his, I like his game a lot. Um, and I think I, I tire very quickly of the Jordan comparisons because they're not the same player. Um, it's exhausting (laughs) and i'm just like can we not just appreciate what we're seeing in front of us right now or Mm -hmm. um we're not yeah i do seem to be any good at that we're terrible at it yeah but i i I found myself yelling at the tv the other night for him to stop taking three pointers um (laughs) not just threes like 35 footers yes i'm like dude you're open for a reason my man come on (laughs) attack the basket you are the size of a tight end right um Big God, I, w- I would still love to see him play football. It'd be amazing. Um, well, speaking of football, which there is what go. this podcast is doing, <laughs> I'm great at segs. <laughs> um, oh God, Friday night football. Well, I, you, you guys know how I like to go in order, so we're going in order. Perfect. Louisville at Georgia Tech. Hmm, <laughs> that's an interesting one for me because, like Louisville, I mean, I think we all had expectations of them. I don't think that they've disappointed per those expectations you know I mean I think they've lost to two good teams in Pitt and Miami and they were able to put up a ton of yards on Miami which I know raised some eyebrows um at least in terms of the game we'll get to later with Clemson Miami because Louisville was not able to do that against Pittsburgh quite as much and um you know they have good players at all the skill spots like we've talked about but their O-line is you know not great as we know and the defense is woof uh but Georgia Tech but Georgia Tech is you know I mean I was pretty surprised to see them go to Syracuse and, and kind of lay an egg last time out so you know I'm not quite sure what to make of them I mean I guess they're at home it's a Friday night game I think they're allowing a decent number of fans in there I don't know what kind of impact that'll have um but yeah this is one that I just kind of look at and you think Louisville should probably win but I mean I could easily see it going the other way too yeah, Louisville is definitely the more talented team. Uh, but when you look at Georgia Tech, they've shown glimpsen, gl- uh, glimpses, I should say. There, there's no doubt about that. But they have such a turnover problem. Oh, my yeah, gosh, do they have a time. turnover problem. And some of that is freshman QB. Some of that is just, you know, getting ahead of yourself and forcing things. So you can't really turn the ball over, in my estimation, at least to Louisville, consistently because they do have such an explosive offense and they're going to go score. So if Georgia Tech loses the turnover battle in this one, I think it's a wrap. But if that's, I'm sure that's been a point of focus for Jeff Collins with this team and, and maybe they can improve upon that. Uh, We also, I know Malik Cunningham is a full go or he's, you know, ready to go is what I've been reading, but you know, how ready to go is he? Because that hit, Lauren, I don't Oof. know if you saw it. It was scary. I did. Oh I did. I saw it live, God. actually. And yeah, I was like, same. oh, no. It was scary. The fact that he's yeah. ready to go, obviously, that's great. And that's very good news. But, you know, mentally, how ready is he? Is he going to be just ready to go from the jump? I think there are some questions there. Uh, this could be a little high scoring just because Louisville's defense has looked like a Swiss cheese, right? But I do think this comes down to the turnover margin, as a lot of Georgia Tech's games are probably going to come down to this year. 
Yeah, and I mean, I I don't want to be too hard on Georgia Tech's defense because I know they've been put in some tough spots with Mm -hmm. those turnovers, but they've allowed, I think, quick math in my head, 86 points in the last two games. (laughs) And, uh, you know, 37 of those were to a Syracuse team that could not function offensively. And again, turnovers play a role in that, of course, but, um, you know, I, I thought their defense would be a little better than we've seen it this year, for sure. And a lot of that, you know, it's the time and the adjustment and just getting getting the size that Georgia Tech needs on the lines of scrimmage. Yes. I think it's a benefit that Louisville's O-line is not exactly um, going to be formidable in, in terms of compared to other O-lines in the league. So maybe that will help Georgia Tech. But still, I, I think you've seen some glimpses from Jeff Collins, and I'm intrigued and, and somewhat excited about what he's doing there. It's just the turnovers that are the main issue. They they have to get that figured out. Jeff Sims has thrown eight interceptions, which is just unbelievable. They're minus six in the margin on the year. They've had they have twelve turnovers as a team in three games. That's See, I covered I, I covered Duke football, so <laughs> Duke is, Duke is <laughs> minus seven. In the turnover mark. Ah, Duke had one turnover last week, and we were all like, wow, it's a miracle. But see, Louisville's minus five. So Louisville's also turned the ball over. Yeah. So that's something to to keep in mind. It's not like they're playing. And I think that was one of their main issues, you know, with Syracuse. Syracuse is the best team in the league when it comes to turnover margin. So one thing you've got going for you so far, Syracuse, is you're taking care of the football. Well, that is one thing. Yes. <laughs> God bless Tommy DeVito, man. And we'll get we'll get to them because oh, that man. game is just a sadness factory of a game. Uh, it's Duke not Syracuse. Think it's oh. on uh, ESPN three. Yeah, that's that seems appropriate. That's when you know. That's when you. Yeah. Know. And you, you know what? Let's let's do that game next, even though it's at 1230. Okay. Some someone who made the schedule. um clearly didn't think about my needs or those of other <laughs> triangle media members when scheduling all three triangle teams to play at 12 or 1230. So yeah, that's, that's going to be fun, especially when you can only be on one zoom at a time um, for press conferences oh, yeah. and the like. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> See, Lauren, that's when you just, you, you, ha- you get your assistant ready. I know you have an assistant and you get that person <laughs> on another zoom. <laughs> Yeah, we've I've got it coordinated with my work people. We're gonna split it, and and actually Duke usually sends theirs out. Um, so hopefully, like That's we'll just good. do that, and then we'll split up Carolina and the state because those will those will definitely overlap. But and by assistant, I mean your very young child that could. He oh be God! There you go. Whatever the opposite Put of a Zoom is, <laughs> I know I'm. My husband actually works on Sat every other Saturday, and he'll be working this Saturday until oh, one no. o'clock. Yeah, and I'm like, I've already like started to think about the nightmare that it's going to be to get my child to like leave me alone enough to that I can watch those games and figure out what's going oh, on. Man. So uh, send thoughts and prayers. Yes. Of uh, but yeah, we'll let, yeah, we we can just do Duke Syracuse. I, I actually did a radio hit on ESPN Syracuse uh, yesterday, um, and I, you know, I don't really know why Duke is favored. That's very confusing to me. Yes, I was surprised to see that two and a half is is what I'm seeing right now, and I think part of it is again, this is uh, the turnover portion of the podcast. I'm assuming, but Duke <laughs> yes. seems to, you know, they're they have Chase Bryce. They seem to be a little more talented than what they're showing when it comes to turnovers and and the fact that they've lost what 12 turnovers this year that's just that's terrible is that it i think it's, it's more than that oh, i no, think 15, it was 12 in 15. two games georgia tech is 12 15 <laughs> but they forced a few so their margin's only seven which is okay all right 
that's that's something. <laughs> if you've turned it over 15 times and you actually oh, are only minus seven, that's actually kind of impressive. That's crazy. And, you know, they are averaging, you know, they're, they're above 350 yards of total offense a game, whereas Syracuse is below 250. So Duke has been moving the ball. I think the red zone is one of their big problems. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Turnovers is a big problem. And then Chase Bryce, I actually said this. So on the radio show I do on the Roar, we were talking about Chase Bryce and Clemson fans love Chase Bryce. If you say one bad thing about Chase Bryce, it feels like they, they're they just going to defend him till the death because of the play he made against Syracuse, of course, which is just legendary. In 2018, when Trevor Lawrence was hurt, had the concussion. Oh, yeah. And then Chase Bryce completed the fourth and sixth play to T. Higgins, and then Etienne scored. And without that, Clemson probably doesn't win a national championship. So Clemson fans love Chase Bryce. I said on our show, I was like, guys, look, Chase Bryce is a hero, of course. But when I saw him in other situations, especially last year, I felt like he took a step back from the year before, from 18 to 19. And he got a lot of time, okay? I mean, Trevor Lawrence did not play in a fourth quarter pretty much the whole regular season. So Chase Bryce was out there. And in my estimation, he was throwing to guys that are somewhat the caliber of the guys he was going to be throwing to at Duke, right? Not five stars, some of the the backups at Clemson, three stars, whatever. And it didn't seem to really be flowing. He didn't. He wasn't very productive. His numbers just weren't very good in his second year at Clemson. So when you translate that to Duke, I think that's been an issue too. And you know, this is not his fault, but he. Besides Syracuse, he's really never played college football in a game of consequence where if he throws a pick, the game is in jeopardy. Right? He's been right. in a lot of garbage time situations. So I think he's adjusting to that. Obviously, he's trying to force some stuff. He has great arm talent. But I also think Cutcliffe, you know, at some point, Cutcliffe, the QB whisperer, we've got to see some improvement there, right? Yeah, for sure. And I think that's really interesting perspective because, yeah, a lot of us around here have been kind of not puzzled because you do see flashes of it. You certainly see it sometimes and he makes a throw or makes a play that you're like, wow, okay, yeah. But I think, too, part of it is I know he was completing some of his grad work at Clemson. Cutcliffe has talked about that all offseason. And I think... And they didn't. They opened up a little later in terms of yeah. like starting practice and getting guys back on campus. And and this is a it's a complex offense to learn. He has to he has to know a lot of things. That's not to say Clemson's isn't complicated. I'm not saying that, but it's not the same offense. Sure. And you know he has to know the protections and he has to know the routes and he has to know all of this stuff. And it's all different. And and you know it's it's been I think an adjustment for him. And and there is no scrimmage. You know, they didn't really get to scrimmage at all, Cutcliffe said. Like, they just, th- that wasn't something they really got to do. I think they had one scrimmage before the season started. And, like, you don't get to make those decisions that you would make in a live situation and see how they turn out. And I think it's a combination of all those things. Then they lose their starting center just before the season, mm. who I know NFL scouts were, were keen on, and Jack Wallabaugh, and their offensive line is not great. It's just not. And um, I do think they've made some progress. I mean, I was impressed with what they were able to do offensively against Virginia Tech. Um, and I think, but Syracuse is not a defense that they want to see right now. So that's why the 2.5 puzzles me a little bit because Syracuse's defense has been, I think like one of the more pleasant surprises of the it year. has that D line is pretty salty. That, I think that D line is going to, uh, gives, uh, p- p- put some problems out there for Chase Bryce, no doubt with, with that defensive line. So that's something he's going to have to, to worry about there. You know, with the spring practice thing, Lauren, I was harping on that all, all the quarantine, basically, because I just can't imagine going into a new system, new program, and not having spring practice. That being said, when you look at Derek King, 
who kind of was in the same situation as a Chase Bryce, no spring practice. And yep. you've got Phil Jerkovic from Boston College. Those yeah. are two examples. And even Brennan Armstrong, who's not new to the program, so that's a little different, but he didn't have a, a true spring practice as the number one guy. But even if you just want to stick with Derek King and Jerkovic, they they look good. So maybe it's something with the program or the offense, the offense is less complicated or something, but it's not like we can just say, oh, if you didn't have spring practice and you're in a new system, you've been oh, for sure. so far, you know? Yeah, the the real, I mean, there's been a lot of like big picture discussions about David Cutcliffe around here. Not, not like firing him or anything, but just like, hey, like what, where, where are we going here? Like what's going on? And, you know, one of the concerns, I know David Hale mentioned it on this podcast before, is that they're not getting the types of skill players they used to get earlier in, in Cutcliffe's tenure. There is no Jamison Crowder at receiver right now. I mean, they, they have a really good tight end in Noah Gray, one of the best in the league. But that, you know, the receivers are, are raw and young and, and they're just trying to, you know, get them to come along. And I think they have made some progress. Some of their young receivers, I think, are starting to come along a little bit. But when you have guys that can't get open, you don't have a functioning running game right now. And, you know, there's just not a whole lot for him, for Chase to be able to oh, make, yeah, for sure. you know, happen. Sure. You know, it's just because people were talking about, oh, maybe they'll switch quarterbacks. And I'm like, but for what? Like, it's not going to do anything. Yeah. So, and then you got on, the, I mean, on the flip side too, you got Tommy DeVito, who I think just got sacked again. Oh, God. No. Poor Tommy. <laughs> Man alive. Bobby DeVito. Like that I, guy is always on the ground. I brought this up on when I was on with this with uh my friends up in Syracuse. Like, is there a number of times like that it's too many sacks? Like, have you been sacked too many times? Is there a quota? Like we saw this with David Carr in the NFL. I mean, that's yeah. a dated reference, I know, but it's true. Like you just get broken mentally, if nothing else. Like you just start drop and and some of the sacks are on Tommy. I mean, that that, you know, he he needs to get rid of the ball, you know, whatever. But it's just, when is it too many sacks? It's like almost 60 now. Oh, for sure. And this year they're giving up five sacks a game, which is just awful. 15 sacks in three games. Yes. Some of it's on DeVito. Some of it's on the O-line and, you know, talk about a decline in skill players, especially at the wide receiver position. I think we've seen that with Syracuse for sure. In the last couple yes. of years, they had some athletes with Eric Dungy. Um, when they beat Clemson and then when they played Clemson close. And I also think too, that time has, time has told us that we probably undervalued slash underappreciated Eric Dungy and his role in how good Syracuse oh my gosh, was yeah. for a couple of years. And um, covering the Clemson Virginia game this past weekend, Brennan Armstrong gave me some Eric Dungy vibes. I, I got a, Eric Dungy is a little more of a fullback, like going to run you over. Oh but God. Yeah. The and, and I, my stomach doesn't turn over when oh, uh, Brennan Armstrong runs the football. Yes. Like exactly. Eric Dungy. Exactly. But the toughness and kind of the swag, if you will. Yeah. That's a good comparison. It's a yeah. better one than, uh, no offense to Dabo, a better one than Steve Young. Oh my gosh. <laughs> Steve Young. Dabo. And not every left-handed quarterback is Steve Young. I was like, Dabo, dude. <laughs> But you know, I mean, he's, he's like, just yeah. uh, being complimentary of the other team, as Dabo does. But yes, I think it is tough for Syracuse fans to go from Eric Dungy and probably tough for DeVito to replace Dungy. And just he's not the same kind of quarterback. And then the O line and skill players around him have declined as well. Not trying to make excuses for DeVito, he still could be a lot better. But I do think there are some other factors there. Yeah, no, I think you have a good point. Um, now I'm just sad talking about that game, so Ugh. let's move on. Uh, 
NC State at Virginia. This game's also super intriguing to me. Yes. Um, ACC Network, 12 o'clock. Um, yeah, because look, we're you know, this is State's third straight road game. Um, they get the upset win at Pittsburgh. Um, the offense looks great with Devin Leary. Um, and yeah, Virginia, I just... I'm not quite sure what to make of Virginia mm-hmm. yet because, and I'm I'm somewhat skewed here because I I watched them play, you know Duke, and I don't obviously think highly of Duke based on what I've seen so far. <laughs> and it was their first game, right, Virginia's, but it, you know it was a little sloppy. It's not the best, um, but then they kind of forced Clemson to play way longer than they were they wanted to, and that definitely raised my eyebrow a little bit. Um, and they were it able did. to move the football, you know. Yeah, that. I, was, I was sorry, Lauren. I was really impressed with Virginia, and I think some of it is Clemson. I think my main concern for Clemson, and we'll get to this with Clemson Miami, uh, to me is the linebacking core. Without Isaiah Simmons, you've got a lot of fifth-year guys in there, like Skowski and Jake Venables and Mike Jones, and and you know they're great program guys, but are they as talented? Are they first-round picks? Right. No. So that that I thought Brandon Armstrong did a great job of getting to that second level and then beating some of these linebackers in one-on-one situations because he he is a very talented dual-threat guy, and then he came in with that swag and moxie of like I'm not afraid, <laughs> I don't care, and I do think part of it is you know it's a little bit of a different experience when you go into Death Valley with 19,000 people versus 82,000. And so I think yeah. that might benefit some teams this year, especially looking ahead to Miami. But he he was not afraid. And I'll say this too about Bronco Mendenhall. I, he was my coach of the week on our podcast, even though Virginia lost because nine months ago or 10 months ago, whatever the math is, uh, Virginia lost to Clemson 62 to 17, right? In the ACC championship. Yeah, yeah. They lose Bryce Perkins. They lose Joe Reed. They lose Hasis Dubois. They lose some guys off the defense. And they come into Clemson. And yeah, I mean, they lose 41-23. But if not for that Andrew Booth pick in the second half, that game might be a lot closer. And this was the stat that really blew me away about UVA. Virginia had 25 first downs on Clemson, which is the fifth most first downs that Clemson has allowed in the last five years. Wow. That's how well Virginia moved the ball. So I was really impressed. And I don't want to, you know, it's tough because if a team plays well the week before, you might side with them and that kind of thing, even though NC State looked really good against Pitt. So this is a really tough one to pick because even though Virginia lost, I think both teams are playing really well. Well, there's some stat that got, I was on an NC State podcast earlier this week as well. And I think that there's some stat about like teams after they play Clemson that they don't do very well the next week. Yes. I, my uh, co-host on the radio, Quack, has, he's brought that up a good bit too. Like you even saw, I think it was Syracuse to bring up Syracuse again, but after they beat Clemson or no, after they uh, played Clemson very closely in Death Valley, then they went up to Pittsburgh and lost. So it's yeah. stuff like that, that just either you're beat down or you're, you've put all your energy and all your game, your time into that game. And then next week you just don't have it. That's what I am a little concerned for, for Virginia's sake is that it does seem like they did very well and they probably put a lot of energy into that game. And, you know, I don't know how much they'll have left and we'll see. Um, and state, you know, you mentioned the linebacking core. I think state's linebacking core is you know, it's one of its strengths, actually. Mm-hmm. Their, fr- their front and especially their linebackers are experienced and guys that can make plays, Peyton Wilson, Drake Thomas, and some of those guys, like, uh, their issue is the secondary. And, you know, that is something Brennan Armstrong could potentially exploit, but that's that's going to be 
their issue and their O-line is is better, I think, than at least than Pittsburgh's played um, Virginia's. So definitely, <laughs> you know, so and they, they have a more functional running game because yeah. they have any running game at all. My concern with NC State, though, from that Pitt game, and I, I do think Pitt, their game plan was we're going to stop the run. We're going to stack the box. Devin Leary beat us. And he did. Right. right. But NC State just didn't run the ball well against Pitt. So can they establish the run against Virginia? Virginia is allowing yeah. less than 100 rushing yards per game. ETN didn't even really get going against Virginia. They got him going in the passing game. So I do think they're going to have to establish the run a little more, especially on the road. Yeah, they'll probably, I mean, yeah, I would imagine that Virginia will probably, even as well as Leary played, I think they'll probably still impose a similar plan of attack mm-hmm. in terms of, okay, we're going to not let them do get it that again, running basically. game going. Yeah, 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 yeah. Do it again. Um, so that'll be interesting. I just, I think we'll learn a lot about both teams and I wish that I could watch that game on its own instead of at the same time <laughs> having to watch at 12 o'clock, number 19, Virginia Tech at number eight, North Carolina on ABC. Um, which, you know, and it's interesting from this is not something I think people realize nationally um, as much, but Carolina has won exactly one home game against Virginia Tech since uh, Virginia Tech joined the league. Wow. Yep. I did not know that. <laughs> yep. They actually have more it's wins in Blacksburg. <laughs> three or so is when did Virginia Tech join? Oh, four. Oh, four. Okay. Yeah. Wow. Yep. <laughs> and, and like a lot of them have been close games, mm-hmm. heartbreaking losses. Some of them have been blowouts. Um, and I know Virginia Tech fans earlier in the week were very excited about the fact that it was going to rain, thinking yeah. probably about the last time they played in Chapel Hill in a rainstorm um, when Larry Fedora decided inexplicably to throw the ball a bunch. Um, <laughs> and Brian Kelly on the same day did the same thing at NC yes. State when they lost. Oh my gosh, I'll never forget that. That was, I don't that was understand. How is I don't the, understand. Because we're expecting some rain here yeah. in the upstate of South Carolina and everything. How is it looking for the triangle? It looked worse earlier in the week. Um, I think it's actually, the last I looked at the forecast, it's like a quarter inch of rain at most. Okay. So... Yeah, I don't think it's going to be nearly the downpour. Obviously, that would have played well more into Virginia Tech's hands with the way they run the football. Although North Carolina's running game has been pretty good. And, mm-hmm. you know, it's it's been an interesting week here because there's just been so much hand-wringing um, about North Carolina's offense. And, you know, you can – it's funny. You can see when they're playing, you can, like, visibly see them pressing on that side of the ball. And it's, it's, you can see Sam Howell wanting to make these big plays happen. And and Mac Brown has talked a lot about that. And he's like, you know, we've played two games and we've come out of both of them saying we need to be more patient with our passing game and with deep balls and, and, and trying, you know, we just need to be more patient in the pass game. And he's like, guys, hello. Like this is a trend. We need to be more patient in the pass game. Like we need to, you know, we don't need to make every play the deep ball, a four yard gain sometimes is fine. <laughs> um, and, and I think that that's a good point because North Carolina, um, the O-line has, they lost uh, a key piece from last year in Charlie Heck. Um, mm-hmm. They've had a guy out this year. Josh Zudu has been out um, kind of being reincorporated into the lineup. Uh, and so, you know, I, I think the O-line will play better as the season goes on, but you know, you're not going to get a lot of deep balls if you're not going to have time to throw. So, you know, I agree. And I see some similarities here between Sam Howell's uh, start to this year. First of all, the fact that they had 21 days off. That's a lot. Yeah, That's ridiculous. It's it's so difficult to, um, that's an eternity in a, in a football season. Right. So I think we have to 
to understand that caveat too. But I see some similarities between how Sam Howell has performed so far this year and Trevor Lawrence at the beginning of last season. Yes. I, I didn't even think about that. that. Yeah. I think there's a pressure aspect. I think there's an expectations aspect. Um, you know, I think you've spent the whole off season. Sam Howell was in some lists. I saw him, you know, like a top four, top three quarterback nationally, Heisman hopeful, all these things. Trevor Lawrence went through that maybe a little on a bigger stage just because he won a national championship, but sure. When you go into the next year and you know, you've heard how great you are and you're thinking, okay, I gotta, I have to do better than that. Right. Right. And then you're exactly. forcing some things. We saw it come to fruition with uh, Trevor Lawrence in Chapel Hill last year. He just yes. didn't look the same. And the way Trevor Lawrence is playing this year, he's playing so much freer. He looks confident. He, he just looks like he's having a great time. Yeah. And for me, I think Sam Howell's forcing things a little bit. Um, so he has to find a way to just kind of settle in. You can feel the pressure and the expectation on him, I, I think. Yep. And it's it's been a, a thing for their whole team, actually. Chaz Surratt was yeah. talking after the Boston College game, and he was saying, like, we've got guys when we're winning walking around, like, with their heads down, and it's like right. thinking we should be up by more and blah, blah, blah. And it, that's been true in both games. And it's like we have to, you know, we have to calm down. Like, we, we, we have to relax. And obviously, I don't think that they would feel that way in this game you know, whatever the margin is, because I think they, you know, understandably have a lot of respect for what Virginia Tech has done. And I don't think that they would be worried about if they were up by one point or 10 points in this one. So maybe there's some of that um, freedom, like you yeah. said, and maybe maybe they can kind of relax now that they're facing a ranked opponent and a team that they have not had that much success against and, you know, kind of tore their heart out of their chest last week or last year, mm-hmm. not last week. That's a good um, you know, so I don't know. And yeah, like, you know, maybe now at this point too with Sam, I mean, you know, not that he was ever going to win the Heisman anyway. Like, let's be real. I mean, it would have taken a lot. <laughs> and now that that's basically over, like maybe he'll right. pl- play a bit freer and, and, and relax. And Trevor yeah. thought last year, once he threw those eight picks or whatever it was in the first six games, he was pretty much out. So in the second half of the season, Trevor still hasn't thrown an interception since, oh gosh. Maybe been a while, the right? Louisville game last year or the game before. Wow. So it's been a very long time. And I think he's he just kind of said, all right, Heisman's done. I'm just going to focus on winning. And I'm not sure if that was really on Howell's radar. But I like your point of, okay, we're playing Virginia Tech. This is a team. If we beat them by one, we don't care. So yeah. it doesn't. we don't really need style points in this game. But on the other side with the Hokies, yeah. Khalil Herbert oh has my God. been incredible. This guy coming from Kansas – we talked about, you know, we all gave Virginia Tech a lot of criticism when they had all those guys transferring out. But this almost seems like a, a happy ending story with the transfer portal because they've really benefited from the transfer portal on the reverse side with Burmeister and now and a Khalil Herbert. And that guy, he's averaging 12.4 yards per carry. How is That's that insane. possible? Yeah. Mac was saying that uh, this week. He was like, "That's you just don't hear of that. No, like, that's, that's insane. insane. So he, and, he's someone yeah. that they have to slow down. And of course, we know Hendon Hooker is supposed to be back. So that adds another wrinkle into this game. Yeah, for sure. And the one thing for me now, I know Justin Fuente could be playing a bit of of a game here, yep. right? But the, the, in his press conference, he sort of referred to basically they got through their first round of COVID issues and then they had the guys they had out last week was kind of a new batch of cases from what I understand. And a lot of them were in the secondary. Oh, no. <laughs> and yeah, like Poor they were missing that. a ton in the secondary. And I, I, I saw um, 
uh, I, I for, who was it? It was Andy Bitter, I believe, from The Athletic who covers them. And he tweeted before the Duke game because I, I gave it a retweet for my Duke people to see that like, this this group of players that are missing is actually probably more significant than the players they were missing in week one. Mm. And I think you kind of saw that in the way that the game played out um, because it was not quite, you know, the dominating win that they had over NC State. It was it was not that at all. And and Duke was able to, you know, score some points and move the football, which they've really struggled to do. So, I you know, I, I think that'll be worth watching, too, because if there's one position group you don't want to be missing against Sam Howell, probably it's that it's that one. Oh, yeah, for sure. So we'll see if Sam Howell can can uh, exploit that. And I think one of the, the biggest issues so far with Hal, as you mentioned, is he's trying to force the deep ball, but he just can't connect on those. And so they haven't been as explosive. His yards per attempt are still fine. Yeah. But I was surprised by that when I yeah. looked into it this week. I was like, oh, actually 8.7. Like that's yeah, a little higher bad. than last year. <laughs> that's good. But just to be able to, it just, it makes life so much easier when you can connect on a few big plays. And that can also give UNC some confidence to start the game. Yeah, there's a lot of hand wringing here too about Daz Newsom, who made so many big plays for them last year, yeah. and he's he doesn't have very many catches and not any big plays. And you know the way Mac put it too. I mean, he was just, just like, "Look, we have a lot of receivers, like, you know, and it, we don't care who catches the ball as long as you know, as long as we win the game. But you know, we're going to try to get the ball in the hands of a lot of different people. And um, they're also using their running backs a little bit more in the past game than they did last year, which I think has helped them some too, because those guys are capable of making big plays. We, we've seen Javante Williams do some nice things in the open field and uh, Michael Carter is capable of some of that too. But, you know, so I, I and the running game is it, to me, it's much more functional than it was at this time last year, which is a good sign Definitely. for them. Definitely. So, My and their defense, man, the defense is good. Defense That's been crazy. Good. The defense I'm, looked very good, which has surprised now, me yeah. a little bit. Well, and the thing is, like, I know people will say, and Mac has said it too, and he's not wrong. Like, you do adjust for opponent, right? And he was like, Syracuse has a, you know, revamped offensive line, and they they had two backs opt out. And then Boston College, for whatever reason, has just decided, we don't want to run the ball. It's crazy. (laughs) Absolutely crazy. Okay, before before we talk about another game, can I please, I'm I'm really, I'm sure you saw this because you're the queen of Twitter. Alex Kirshner tweeted this last Saturday. And he uh-huh. said, if Texas does find itself in the <laughs> this offseason, they should look at that young guy over in North Carolina. That fellow That's knows so how to funny. turn the program around. Oh, my God. I died laughing. That's hilarious. On all these, you know, when Texas is still just kind of flapping in the wind and you see what Mac Brown is doing at North Carolina, it is it is something to just kind of chuckle at. It, it, yes. And I can I can tell you that um, Chapel Hill might literally implode. If that were to happen again, oh my gosh, no, I, it was no a when it happened no the first way. time. Like, and people were so mad, <laughs> like a LeBron situation. You're going to leave us again. And by the way, because I grew up, you know, I grew up in the state, obviously, and I, you know, when I was growing up, I, I, I know people don't always believe this. I don't really care. I, if if I root for any local football team, by the way, it's Duke because I love David Cutcliffe. But <laughs> I don't. I genuinely don't really care about the outcome of games. I would rather the teams be good because that's more exciting yeah. for me. But I don't care. But when I was a kid, I did, you know, I grew up going to Carolina football games and I, you know, I was one of those people that was mad at Mac when he left. So <laughs> when they Texas came back for like college game day um, when I was in school, actually, oh, in Carolina. Really? And, and uh, Mac was like on the set at one point and I I like wanted to walk behind and make it a rude <laughs> gesture. 
but my friends yeah, talked really, me out of it. That's so funny, Lauren, because, you know, I grew up in Austin. So I grew up going to a lot of Texas games and grew up a Texas fan. And it took me till I was probably 13 or 14 to even realize that Mac Brown wasn't always at Texas. Like it took me a while to figure that out because he was just so, he was just so associated with Texas in my oh, mind. Oh, sure. Yeah. And, and obviously when I got to be like older and more mature, I understood, you know, money works. <laughs> Well, and, you know, I mean, look, North Carolina is what it is, a football program, and Texas is what it what it is. Mm-hmm. So, you know, but, uh, yeah, it's worked out well for Carolina so far. I was a skeptic when they first hired Mac. I just Me didn't too. Think it, but- I, I didn't think it made sense. But he's hired really – you know, he's taken a little bit of the Dabo approach yes. in terms of, like, hiring guys that can really help him. The I CEO. Think yeah, yeah. He's hired great recruiters. Dre Bly's done an amazing job as a DB coach. I'm old enough that I watched him play football at Carolina. So. <laughs> um, and I just, he was one of my favorite players to watch. Um, he was, he was unreal. And, and Jay Bateman is, Jay Bateman is one of the best defensive coordinators in the league, obviously behind, you know, Brent Venables and, you know, some others have done mm-hmm. a really good job, but he's, he's excellent. And yeah, he's done a really good job delegating, like you said, and, and just being, very much like a grandpa type figure <laughs> or a dad type figure to these kids. Like he got emotional yesterday, just like talking about it and, um, you know, talking about how much more meaningful this second stint is now that he has a lot of, a lot more perspective having been out of it for a while and just wanting to get back into kind of like be a, a mentor and like make a positive difference in, in, in people's lives, I guess. Like that was, it was neat to hear him talk about that, but it's, it's awesome. It seems like yeah. Mac Brown is truly, especially in this kind of second life of his career, if you will, he's in it for the right reasons. I really do get yeah. that vibe from him. Yeah. It was funny though. He was even talking about um, like, you know, we're t- registering the players to vote like a lot of schools are doing and making sure they can go do that. And he, he talked about, and this like literally I had to take a minute when he said this, he was like, when I was at Carolina, I remember president Clinton came to speak here and I leaned over to Sally and I was like, is he a Republican or a Democrat? And I was like, dude. Oh my God. <laughs> but, he, but he said, he's like, look, for so long, college football coaches, like, and some of them still are like this. He's like, but, you know, they that was their bubble. Like, yep. we, we didn't do anything else. And and I, that's kind of unreal to me. But, it, you know, he's not like that anymore, obviously. But, you know, I thought that was really, that <laughs> I was is like. a crazy story. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, how do you not at least hear that tangentially? Right. Like. But oh yeah. no. Yeah. Um all right. Well that's I mean it'll be a fun game. I'm excited to see what happens and certainly we'll learn a lot about who everybody is in that one. Um and Virginia Tech going for the triangle sweep. So we'll we shall see. <laughs> um wouldn't be the first team to do it and won't be the last, that's for <laughs> sure. Uh Pitt Boston College, four o'clock, ACC network. Oh dear. I I'm kind of excited for this game. Is that weird? So like, okay, my thing with Pitt is I'm almost like I actually called this for Pitt. I didn't call them losing. What I called is exactly how that game went down, which is that their defense imploded on itself and committed a million stupid penalties. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, and that's, that's what makes it. me angry. Yeah, and that's what makes me they angry. They should about be undefeated. That. And that's, you know, I, I like Pitt. Pitt is a program that I think has been a really good addition to the league. I like Narduzzi. Kenny Pickett is just like a tough as nails. I got a lot of respect for Kenny after that game. Oh my gosh. He just takes shots and pops right back up. I I just, I love what Pitt's doing. I love the new color scheme. Like I'm just, I'm all about it. And Boston College, 
for the longest time, BC, I respected what they did, but it didn't exactly excite me because they were just going to run the ball, you know, 40 times a game or whatever. And I do think it's odd that they've completely gone away from that so far. <laughs> Poor David Bailey, Hockley. man. Yeah, it just it doesn't really make sense so far what they're doing where they're only averaging 70 yards per game on the ground and they're passing it for 275 a game. Like, is that Boston College? But both these teams have modernized a bit uh, where there there are more passing attacks. This is probably going to be the most passing attempts between Pitt and BC in a very long time. Oh my God, yes, you're right. Well, and Pitt would love to run the ball. They just can't. They just can't. They can't. Yes, exactly. (laughs) But two good quarterbacks in this game. So I think this is, yes, very tough and talented. And so I think this game is going to have a little more intrigue than Pitt, BC of the past. And, you know, this would be a huge win for, for BC because they, they eked by Texas State, which didn't give me a lot of confidence. And then they beat no, Duke. No, me neither. Because Duke turned the ball over all the time. So can they beat someone that's pretty good, whereas they they stuck with North Carolina? And then can Pittsburgh kind of get over that one loss and get back on track and, and put together a really good season? So I think there's a lot of, on the line in this game, too. Yeah, I've been really impressed with Jeff Halfley and and mostly with their defense because I thought that would be a disaster, but they've gotten some... I think he's kind of changed the psychology of that defense more than anything else. And they've gotten some transfer guys in there that have helped. Um, but mm-hmm. that it's not an amazing defense, but it was a tire fire last year. And it's tire not. Fire. Yes, <laughs> it was real bad. And it's and I thought that it would still be pretty bad, but it's not. Um, and, and the O-line is is very solid. Um, and again, that's that's that, Mac was like baffled by it. Like he literally was like, I thought that they would just run David Bailey down our throats. They have like yeah. five all ACC offensive linemen coming back. And, you know, he's like, admittedly, that's our bad, like basically because we weren't ready for that. Like, I think he thought that they only passed so much against Texas State because they were down. And sure. Yeah. I guess that no. would, yeah, kind of. <laughs> no, this is That's what they want to do. This is what they want to well, do. And, and I think some of that is halfly trying to modernize Boston right. College. Uh, West Durham made that point um, to me the other day. We, we had him on the, our radio show here locally at 99.9 um, for his weekly appearance. And he, he, he mentioned that, that like West, that Jeff is like trying to bring them into the century. Mm-hmm. And, and, and you're not going to appeal to a lot of recruits in that area. If you have this old school brand of football that, exactly. um, you know, a lot of guys don't want to play. And, and so this is a way to kind of bring in some more dynamic recruits. And I thought that was a really good point. And I hadn't really thought about it that way just because of who BC's always been. But I think that's his way of saying, look, this is who we are now. We are going to be a fun school to play for, so come play here. And, and this is good for the league, I think, to have Boston College absolutely. in a big media market, even though they don't really pay attention to Boston College in the Boston media market. But maybe they'll start doing it a little more. It's such a pro sports town. But it's good that they're being modernized. I think, of course, Georgia Tech, to me, it's very good that they're being modernized. Another big media market. It's a positive direction for the league. Yes. And I thought Jeff Halfley was a, a great hire for Boston College. Yeah, yeah, I, I agree. And it's funny because like so many of the teams that I think we all thought would be bad have actually, you know, turned out been to be better. Good. Yeah. 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 And I think that's been a good thing for the league too, that, you know, nobody is a disaster. Um, well, well, except for one team. <laughs> and let's you know what? Let's do that game first. Well, yeah, we'll save, I was gonna we'll save say, the best well, for last. Something that's uh, not good for the league. <laughs> 7.30 p.m. I'm sure FSU fans are thrilled to have the primetime spot. <laughs> on a national channel. <laughs> at Notre Dame on NBC. Oh, dear. Like, the Jacksonville State game was literally the worst case scenario for Florida State. 
because and I, I I said that going into the game. I was like the the worst thing that could happen to them is that they play like that they don't win by a lot and it they look ugly. Mm-hmm. And yeah, that's kind of what happened. But I guess they have reason to have a little bit of faith now that they have a new starting quarterback. See, I think that is the one positive from Jacksonville State is that they it looks like they're going to stick with Jordan Travis and Blackman is done. Uh, he didn't even play. So if you've established Travis as your starter, maybe that's good news. Something tells me, though, because it's FSU, because the O-line is terrible, that Travis is not going to start every game for the rest of the year, whether he gets hurt or whatever. Right. But he was really solid against Jacksonville state. And he, he was not the reason they were down 14, nothing. He hadn't even been in the game yet. So if he starts from the jump, I think that game maybe goes a little differently, but also, and again, I don't know, I'm playing devil's advocate here for Florida state. I think it it is good for this program to face the adversity that they did against Jacksonville state oh my and, God. <laughs> and come back, get down 14, nothing, come back, Win the game, 41-24. That, that's got to be worth something, I think, to this young program that's just trying to figure out how to win. Yeah. Um, I would just think. <laughs> it's it, the. Uh, I mean, it's hard. I know it's hard to be patient if you're a Florida State fan, and I get it. But mm-hmm. you, don't, you don't have a choice. Like, you nope. don't. This is it. So, you know, and, and you don't have money left to fire him. So you might as well like just sit back and get comfortable. And a lot of this, I don't know if, like I know Norvell's had some issues, it seems, in the locker room, on Twitter, of course. Yeah. But he's not responsible for the bare cupboard, especially in the quarterback position. Uh, Sam Howell was supposed to be at Florida State. I think Sims as well, right? Sims was somebody they were after. There's, There's a list, man. Now, it might be with Sims, I have heard that maybe Norvell didn't want him. So maybe that, that uh, Sims hasn't looked amazing. Yeah, that's true. The Sam Howell thing is, is if Florida state has Sam Howell now, then what, what, what's different? You know, I think that's a huge, what if in the ACC right now, but I still like FSU's defense. I still like their secondary Marvin Wilson, Asante Samuel jr. I mean, these guys are players. I'm just, I just need to see them play like it though. It's been mystifying to me. That's true. And you got to see them when they go up to Notre Dame. Like they'll play the Mi- better, play better. But like with the Miami game, they they gave up. They 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 basically forfeited mid game. And so yeah. where's the pride, right? Where, where's the? And we've been saying that for a couple of years with Florida State. But you're playing at Notre Dame. You're Florida State. Where is your pride? That's my big question with FSU. Yeah, I think that's a good point, and I just. But, you know, you look at this and you knowing the state of FSU's offensive line and how well Notre Dame's defense has played. I mean, they've had a lot of time off, too, though. So we don't they know have. how they're going to look. I'd like but. to see a little more from Ian Book. I know they're breaking in some new skill players. And so that's been kind of a slow development. You know, I've never been that high on him. No, I know. that Neither have I, really. But I want to see I, some more from him. I, he's better yeah, than, yeah. than what he's doing right now. Yes. Yeah, I agree. And, and it's funny because, like, Phil Dracovic transferred from Notre Dame. And, and he looks great. Yeah. Yeah. And it's it's just and he never even he barely even saw the field. And it's like, I don't really necessarily understand why, because their quarterback play has never been great. Like it just it's been OK. It's been fine. Book is fine. He's, He's fine. not bad. He's fine. Um, I just don't get the hype is more what I mean. It's like he's perfectly capable yeah. and he can make some plays, but sometimes he just looks so he can he can look real bad. He's a he's I'm, a fine book. He's not a bestseller. <laughs> 
Okay. There we go. He's not a bestseller. <laughs> he's not a classic. He's not. Yeah. 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 It's, it's, ugh, I don't know. I'm. I'm. So we'll see. I mean, yeah. It, it, it's not. It's going to be ugly, though. Let's be real. And the, the only saving grace for FSU is that everybody will probably be watching Miami at. There you go. So. 7.30 ABC. Um, Your two hated ACC rivals are playing and no one's going to watch you. I don't know if that's a saving grace. <laughs> I mean, they'll take what they can get, right? Right. Like, right. Yeah, it's, it, this is obviously like, okay, Miami, like time to prove it. It's This is, right. this is what we're doing. And the biggest thing that has been plaguing Miami here for the last, gosh, I can't even count how long, has been quarterback play. They've had some capable quarterback play, but, you know, with struggles on the O line and some other stuff like that. And they still, their O line is still not great, by the way. Right. But, but they have a playmaker there now. And that's made a huge difference in De'Ara King. And, and that's, that's the difference for me about why I'm willing to sort of say, okay, I- I'm willing to take Miami a little bit more seriously than I would have during a year where they maybe started impressively and, you know, ended up fading back to the pack. For sure. Ever since what Ken Dorsey, we've been kind of waiting for a Miami quarterback that is, something. And Brad Kaya, Brad Kaya had some good numbers. I'm not going to take away from Kaya, but Derek King is the best quarterback that they've had in a very long time. He has the second best QB rating in the league behind Trevor Lawrence. He hasn't thrown a pick. He's passed the ball really, really well. And, you know, one thing that I think with Miami, Clemson's not the only team that can maybe go vanilla a little bit at the beginning of the year and, and keep some stuff close to the vest for a big opponent. I yeah. think Miami's been doing that a little bit with Derek King I agree. and some yeah. design runs because he only has 28 rushing attempts for 157 yards. That's not much, right? I mean, it's, it's good, but it's not much. And so I would imagine, especially with the weather, it still looks like in this area, we will get some significant rain. Will they run King a little more than they have in the first couple games, at least design runs? I think they will. And then Cameron Harris is a player. I think Cameron Harris is someone to watch in this game too. He's run the ball really well. Again, how much pressure can De'Ara King and Cameron Harris put on Clemson's linebackers? I think that's the biggest matchup in this game. And then also on the Clemson side, Tyler Davis should be back starting defensive tackle. He sprained his MCL versus Wake Forest. Dabo said he's going to be back. Xavier Thomas, who has been... Yeah, I saw that he was going to suit up, which I was very surprised by. If you don't bring up Xavier Thomas to Clemson fans because they they don't have uh, a lot of good things to say at the moment. But, you know, of course he had COVID and everything, which they're not blaming him for. But so he's... At at first, the talk was he was going to redshirt. But now, because this year doesn't count, right? He can yeah. come back whenever. So he was supposed to be dressed out last week, but he had a death in the family and had to go home and he missed the COVID test. So now he's supposed to be dressed out this weekend, but I still don't think he's going to play. So that's good news for Miami fans because he's arguably the most talented defensive lineman on the team. Well, wait, why are they mad at him then? Well, just in, he's, they've been kind of, I've heard the B word bust a few times just Whoa. because last year he was, he was one of the best players in the country, five-star Last year, he had some – he didn't start a few games for disciplinary issues. No one could really figure out – Dabo wouldn't exactly tell us, you know. So last year, he had what you might consider somewhat of a sophomore slump. He just didn't produce at the level that people wished. And then this year, of course, COVID, no one's blaming blaming him for getting COVID. That's that's not what's happening. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I got it. 
the fact that you still aren't seeing him. You know, I think people just expected a lot from him last year. It was it was COVID and then strep, right, for him? Yes, he he had a really – and he got it after he left campus, so he must have gotten it at home. And yeah, he got it really in the spring, I thought. Yes, I remember so him. he got yeah. kind of the early, early uh, part of it, and then he got pretty sick from it. But he should dress out. Again, I still am not really thinking he's going to play against Miami. Right. Yeah, it's hard to, to imagine. <laughs> yeah. We'll, yeah, I mean, it's hard to imagine that they, they just – I didn't think we'd see him for half right, a year minimum. Right. So, I mean, actually, in some ways, it's probably a credit to him that he's been able to work himself Definitely. back into good enough so. shape to – Yeah, He's been working on the scout team, and, and some were saying, you know, oh, maybe Clemson could get him back for the playoff or whatever. I mean, that was the – kind of the indication at the beginning of the year. So he's definitely worked himself into getting closer to play. I do think getting Tyler Davis back, that's, that is a big positive for Clemson trying to stop the run in the middle. And and I guess you mentioned Clemson's linebackers and that's definitely a concern, but I know the secondary, especially against good wide receivers um, is something that Clemson fans are pointing to as well as something that gives them a little bit of anxiety. Yes. Oh, no doubt. So you know, AJ Terrell's gone to the NFL. Darion Kendrick, he again, not quite sure what it is, but he didn't he didn't travel to Wake Forest and he didn't play against the Citadel. He played against Virginia. He looked fine, but there's been some questions there of, you know, Dabo said that he's he hasn't been in the doghouse, but Dabo's having to show him some extra love, if you will, like tough love is what Dabo was saying. So there's been that. And then uh, Andrew Booth has emerged. He's He played well against Virginia. He had that incredible pick, but he hasn't exactly been consistent. So there are some young corners. The safeties look pretty good with Nolan Turner, but the corners are definitely a, a question mark as well. Okay. Yeah. I mean, it's it'll be interesting. I, I do still think um, it's, and Miami has talent on defense. We all know that, but you know, if we're going to act like Miami is like I'm trying to think of how to phrase this. I don't know that I'm I'm comfortable calling them an elite defense just yet, sure. partially because like Louisville was able to put up a lot of yards on them and, and Louisville has a good offense, but obviously so does Clemson. So yeah. <laughs> <laughs> for sure. I, I think Clemson's gonna score. To me, the the 14 points that Vegas has this at right now sounds about right. I think yeah. this is gonna be one of the closer regular season games that Clemson has played. Uh, you know, in the last three or four years, North Carolina, of course, being the close one last year. So I could see Miami being able to score, staying in this game early, whichever team handles the weather best, whichever team doesn't turn it over. But for Miami to win this game, I think they have to force a good amount of turnovers, which I just don't see happening because Trevor Lawrence has been excellent taking care of the football. He hasn't even, not only has he not thrown a pick, he hasn't even really put the ball in jeopardy that I can think of. He has been exceptional. So that maybe you've got some weather and you've got some fumbles or a muff punt or something, you know, that can always happen. I was going to say special, special teams yes. feels like, because that's that's been something with Clemson See, but it's in been recent years, years Lauren, that, yeah, because yeah. this is the best special teams Clemson has maybe ever had under Davos Sweeney. Oh, wow. I, I've joked. I've joked that Clemson has proven the one thing Clemson has proven in college football is you don't need good special teams to win national titles because the it's special true. teams have been bad. But this year, BT Potter hasn't missed a kick. Will Spires is punting it well. Amari yeah. Rogers is return. He's been the main return guy and he's been really good. So it's a kind of a weird twilight zone it's, where Clemson has good special teams. Yeah, it's and it's weird. I I don't know that I'm I'm super fond of like the notion that we sort of group 
all of the things that you do on special teams yeah. into one one umbrella because they all are very different. You have a the punt return game is different than the kickoff return game. Coverage is different for both, and mm-hmm. you know field goal kicking and all that stuff and punting. They're all very different. Like, and I I, I don't know. It just always kind of bothered me that like we just sort of group them all under the same umbrella. Well, even with all those things, Clemson has not been great. I, I would say. That's true. I mean, even pick coverage, you know, when you look at the first Alabama national championship. But yeah, so I would just kind of lump it all together. It hasn't been great. But this year, Will Spires is like a fifth-year guy. He's been great. BT Potter, we had him on our radio show, and he said that he's – the main thing for him, it's all been mental. And you can tell he's just so confident. And he's always had the leg, but he he just looks like a different kicker. And then Amari Rogers has been really, really good in the return game. Yeah, so I guess – we might be a little surprised if we see Miami break out the turnover chain more than maybe once, <laughs> once oh, or we'll twice. See. Turnover chain. Yeah. Gotta love the turnover chain. I they're do. gonna need the turnover chain to win. That I would yeah. I would say that. I'm pretty confident in that. I do like the possible. turnover chain. It's gotten too fancy for my taste though. The turnover it. brass knuckles now. Wait, is that or is that they're some, like or something so- else? That might be somebody else. But the, they're so bejeweled. Like the chains are so bejeweled. It's very it's like, fancy. Yeah, it's a little much for me for my uh, pedestrian taste, but it is, very, it is Miami. Well, but I mean, think about the contradiction inherent. I know in they, what never you just said. they never have. They never have. No, that that is who they are. And what like, is the chain this year? Because I like the one that had the ibis on it. That they was have probably used, my favorite. They've used some different ones. I think like the the one I saw, the one I remember seeing is one that like is the state of Florida, but it, it looked like a gun. But it's the state of Florida. <laughs> And I sure, and that was, sure. it was it was at that moment in time that I realized the state of Florida kind of does resemble a gun. <laughs> um, but yeah, they've I think they've had a few different ones that they've used. They've had the U, the Ibis. I liked the Ibis the best. That's they've a had good one. Three oh five. I just googled this. They've had three oh five on there. Yeah, yeah I think yeah. this year's the one with the state of Florida, and then it has yep. the U over the Florida. Yeah, I think that's right. And yeah, I mean it's fine. It's just. <laughs> It's so fancy. It's like easy. Very Miami. Very Miami. It is. It is very Miami. I have to give them that. Um, so that'll, that'll be a fun game because, you know, even if Miami loses, I think we'll still, okay, are they for real or are they not? Like if they get blown out, yes. uh, you know, for that'd sure. be bad. But we'll And see. for the league, I think you want to see Miami keep this somewhat close. Absolutely. Miami, uh, back in 2017, when they were ranked as high as I think third in the country and then Clemson beat them. Gosh, what was it? 41 to 3 or something in the ACC championship. Yeah, they smoked them. Yeah. I I would prefer to not see that just for the for the sake of the league. Well, and that Miami team like was fraudulent. It was. In my opinion. And they did it was have, have, it, yeah. Their the quarterback situation was nothing compared to what they have now. Yeah, and I I I am reluctant to call this team fraudulent. Um just yet. I, I think so far I've it seems like the real deal, but we shall see. All right, Kelly, why don't you tell everybody where they can find your stuff? Oh, yes, of course. So uh, follow on Twitter at Kelly Gramlick and you can find everything there. Go to Apple Podcasts, Gramlick and MacLean. And uh, we're just getting that started. ACC podcast. So would love for you guys to listen. You can also find me on the radio if you happen to live in upstate South Carolina or you're driving through there. We pretty much cover that whole 85 corridor if you're going from Charlotte to Atlanta. So that's 105.5 FM and then ACC Network, especially when we get to hoop season. All right. Well, thanks so much for joining us. (laughs) Thank you, Lauren. uh, Enjoy the games, everybody. Until next week.